0: 1 Peter and 2 Corinthians. 1 Peter 5 and 2 Corinthians 2. I said it a minute ago and I want to reiterate it. Aren't they an impressive group of young people? And I'm very thankful for the families that have produced these kids. And young people, as you head off into the world, and you're not really done at home yet, and we all recognize that. But now you're making your decisions on what you're going to do. And and I think the one that will do the best is the history major, because that is obviously the best major, other than Bible, right? Is that right, John? Just history. I'm I'm really excited about what God has for you young people. But I want to give you a a warning. And it, it starts right here, 1 Peter chapter 5. And look at verse 8. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Be sober... That's a good thing to tell a college student, isn't it? (laughs) Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The world is a rough place. And Satan has established this system to hurt you the the number one thing Satan wants to do is to defile the glory of God and to diminish the glory of God and to get in the way of his work. So the Bible says here be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is talking about how we need to forgive and when we, the, the reason that we need to forgive is verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, those of you who played football or have watched football, you know that one of the big things that you need to know is what is the defense going to do? So the quarterback drops back and he looks at what are the, what's the safety doing? What are the cornerbacks doing? and that will determine the play that he is going to run. And that's why it's really important that the quarterback knows what the defense is going to run. What we need to understand is we're not going to be on defense. We need to understand that we are going to go into the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and a holy life representing our God, and we need to understand how Satan is going to come after us. What are Satan's devices Against us, what are his devices? Well, first of all, young people, I want you to understand this. He is a deceiver. He's a deceiver. We're going to look at four titles of Satan today, and the first is, he is a deceiver. And for each of these, we're going to have his name, his target, his purpose, and your defense. So his target as a deceiver, look at second John, Second John, right before Revelation. 2 John chapter 1, and look at verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So here's the deceiver. The deceiver's target is your mind. Your mind. Now, y'all are getting ready to go to college. And in college, here's what's going to happen. Someone is going to come along and say, those fairy tales that you've been taught from the Bible, they're lies. It's not true. God doesn't exist. And they're going to throw things at you, and you need to know that they are lies. They are lies. God does exist. He has created the world, and He has revealed Himself to us in the Scriptures. His target is your mind. Go to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to have this outline for you. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you there, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present to your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Now, stop right there for a second. Look up here. It's very easy to be conformed to this world. The easiest thing in the world is to be conformed to the world. That's the easiest thing to do. How does the world think? Well, that's how I need to think. How does the world dress? Then that's how I need to dress. How does the world behave? Then that's how I need to behave. That is the easiest thing in the world. But the Bible says, as an act of the will, do not be conformed to this world. Then look at what it says. Verse 2 again, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I remember when I was a young man, I had gone to Bible college, and I had run into some opposition at the Bible college, and I didn't think that people had behaved the way that a Christian ought to behave. And so I had left, I went to Chicago, got a job on Michigan Avenue in Chicago, and I was going to... I was done with Christianity. I was done. Didn't want to have anything to do with it because of the way people had treated me. Now, let me tell you something, folks, especially you adults. It's really important how you treat young people. Amen? Do you all agree with that? It's really important how you treat young people. And now, I don't think God was going to let me do that, but in my mind, this is what I was going to do. And I, I was frustrated with the stupidity of what I had seen. And as you get out in the world, you might be confronted with that. Well, a friend of mine gave me a set of books called The Complete Works of Francis Schaefer. And Schaeffer was called The Missionary to the Intellectual. And I thought I was an intellectual. I started reading those books and I found out I wasn't. <laughs> I'd have to read these paragraphs over and over again to understand them. But here's what I learned. You don't have to commit intellectual suicide to be a Christian. And I want you to think about the great minds that are in this room. Educated, brilliant people who believe in God. You see, what the world will tell us is that educated people don't buy into the fairy tales of the Bible. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie. We have highly educated people in this room who believe in God. So the issue is not education. The issue is spiritual. It's not an intellectual problem. It's a spiritual problem. Belief or unbelief is not an intellectual problem. It is a spiritual problem. And so if you will guard your mind and hold on to the things that you've learned, and here's what I want you to know. We can answer any question that someone gives you. If there's an answer. You know, if someone makes something up that's completely implausible, well, it's an unanswerable question. But if it's a question based on reality, we can answer those questions. You need to have the confidence to know that you have truth behind what you have believed. And there are so many people in this room that can help you with any question that you have. That's an exciting thing to know. He's a deceiver. And his target is your mind. What are his, what's his weapon? What is the weapon that Satan is going to use? Go to John chapter 8. look at verse 43. "'Why do you not understand My speech, even because you cannot hear My word? You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe Me not.'" You know, if if you believe a lie, then the truth can't help you. And Satan's number one weapon, his target is your mind. He's a deceiver. His target is your mind. And his number one weapon will be lies. Just lies. And there are so many lies in the world. Let me give you an example of a lie that's popular right now. You can borrow money to get out of debt. How many of you think that's a lie? Right? You can't do it. You can't do it. There are lots of lies in the world. How about this? God doesn't care about you. That's a lie. God doesn't care what you do with your life. That's a lie. God did not create the world. There's no such thing as a creator. There's no purpose in your existence. That is a lie. God created you and He gifted you and He made you unique to bring glory to Him in a way that only you can do. And there is no greater, there's no greater vocation in life than a Christian who's bringing glory to God. And it doesn't matter if you're a school teacher or it doesn't matter if you're a trainer or a lawyer or a historian or physical therapy or you want to do police work, right? It doesn't matter what it is. If your vocation is a Christian, then you'll do all of that to the glory of God. Satan's a liar. His purpose, his target is your mind. His weapon is lies. His purpose is ignorance of God's Word and the truth. He wants you to walk around blindly. Look at 2 Timothy. How many of you folks have figured out that you're along for the ride as I speak to the young people? But there might be something helpful for you as well. 2 Timothy. And look at chapter 2, verse 25. Um, Look at verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, instructing those. Now, meekness is not timidity. Very important that you understand that. Some people have this idea that, how many of you have heard meek as a mouse? Right? That's not the proper analogy. Meekness is just not thinking about yourself. So, as I'm teaching you, it's not about me doesn't matter what you think about me. The issue is the truth. That's meekness. Okay? In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. How about that? Have you ever seen somebody that just can't get out of their own way? You know, they can't seem to make a good decision, and they make decisions that hurt themselves. I think of young people that can't speak the English language. It's really tough to get a good job if you can't speak the English language. Amen? It doesn't matter how you talk with your friends, but when it comes time for a job interview, you need to understand subject-verb agreement. Why do you want this job? Because, and and then you go and you you formulate this sentence, and the guy's looking at you like, what are you talking about? It's really important. There are certain things that you must do. Well, I can talk any way I want to. Yes, and you can live in a van down by the river. So look at what the text says. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, then look at what it says. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. See, God wants you; Satan, the deceiver, wants you to be ignorant of God's will so that you will follow Satan's will. Will. He has a will for you. His will is that you do not bring glory to God. And do you know what the result of that will be? The destruction of your life. The destruction. That's what Satan has for you. He's the deceiver. What is your defense? What's your defense? Look at Hebrews chapter 4. He's the deceiver. His target is your mind. His weapon is lies. His purpose is to have you ignorance of, ignorant of God's word and his will. And what is your defense? Hebrews chapter 4. And look at verse 12. For the word of God is quick, that means it's alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, plain and open. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Your defense against the lies of Satan is the word of God. The Bible has the answer. The Bible has the answer for whatever it is that you're going through. The Bible has the answer to the problems in society. So whatever jobs you guys go into. So when you're dealing with people as a police officer, the Bible has the answer for their problems. Right When you're dealing with someone who's been hurt, the Bible has the answer to their struggle. When you're looking at history, history is the study of what God has done. The Bible says in in, uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 48, 49, verse 9, it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God. It's a command to study history. When you're looking at a prosecuting, as a prosecutor, looking at what people have done with the law, well, sin is any transgression of the law. So there really is right and wrong. It's not a matter of legality. It's right and wrong and good and evil, and that's got to be the heart behind a prosecutor. For you dealing with people in their physical problems, that physical problem may never be solved, but their spiritual problem can. And if you want to understand a child's heart, it's in the Word of God. If you're going to be able to teach a child well, if you know what the Bible says about that child's heart, that it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? How many of you teachers understand that verse very well? (laughs) It's just true. It is true. I I love that video of the little kid who got into the sparkles or whatever. And half the bottle is gone. They're all over him. And his mom said, did you get into the sparkles? I did not. (laughs) I mean, they're all over him. They're all gone. They're not all gone. Just lying, lying. And you could tell mom was just wanting to laugh because it's such an obvious lie. What we need to understand is: you go out into the world, man, this world is full of liars. The truth is found right here. That is your defense. So the first name is deceiver. The second name is destroyer. Look at Psalm 17.4. Psalm 17.4. Great verse. The Bible says, "...concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips," talking about God, "...I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer." Satan is a destroyer, and how do you keep away from the paths of the destroyer? By the word of God. "...there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death." There's no greater destruction than death and death in hell. Now, if you're saved, you don't have to worry about that. But you do have to worry about the destruction that would come from your life. So he's the destroyer. His target is your body. It's interesting. His target is your body. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Why would his target be your body? Look at verse 17. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. Or verse 18, I'm sorry. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So why do you think that the destroyer wants to attack your body? Because the purpose of your body as a saved young person is to be the temple of the Holy Ghost and to bring glory to God. How is he going to destroy it? Through fornication. Through fornication. Through sins that have to do with your body. So what are you supposed to do? Stay pure. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, keep thyself pure. Keep thyself pure. Satan is going to want to attack your body. It's my body. I can do what I want with it. How many of you ever heard that? And what does that usually mean? Kill a baby. I thought it was your body. No, you're going to kill the baby's body. Isn't that interesting? These, These lies that come from Satan. These lies that come from Satan. He's a destroyer. He wants to destroy your life. So make sure. Young men, young ladies, live for God. Give your body to God. What are some ways that you can defile your body? Don't eat right. Just abuse your body. Do things silly. Get on a motorcycle. Do something crazy. Dress inappropriately. Mark it all up. Make yourself a billboard for Satan. That's what God wants to do with your body. So give it to Him. Wherever you're taking your body... Does God want your body to go into that bar and drink? Come on, Jesus, let's go get drunk. That's not bringing glory to God, is it? That's not bringing glory to God. So what Satan wants to do is he wants to destroy your body. That's his target. His weapon is suffering. His weapon is suffering. It's very interesting. We're not going to look at it. Remember in Job chapter 1, he said, If you let me attack, Satan said, If you let me attack Job's body, he'll curse you. So things are going to come up in your life to attack your body. Go back to 1 Peter, the verse that we looked at first. 1 Peter chapter 5. Very interesting. Look at verse 8. You know, what, let's just start reading in verse 5. Likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with Humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him for He careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now look at what it says. Whom resist. It doesn't say ignore the devil. It says resist the devil. Steadfast In the what? The faith. Okay, young people, look up here. How's your faith? How's your faith? You need to understand, it's the faith once delivered to the saints. It's not only what you believe, it's the content of that belief. So if you were AJ, right now, if I were to bring you up here and you had to defend the Christian faith, can you do that? Nathan, could you do that? John, Mackenzie, Kayla, Lydia... You see, the way that you're going to resist the the deceiver and the destroyer is in the faith. And it's not simply your belief system. It is the content of that belief. And remember, you don't know something until you can say it to someone else. You know, the illustration that always uses trivial pursuit. They ask you a question and you say, "Mm, I don't know. They give you the answer. I knew that. No, you had heard it before. If you knew it, you would have said the answer. And so it's vital that you are ready. Be ready always with an answer to anyone that asks a question of the hope that's in you. Meekness and fear. You have to be ready. Be ready. Look at the text again. Verse 9, Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Whoa. Satan's the devourer who's going to come after you. What's going on? Affliction. Affliction. That means you're going to have trouble. It might be sickness. It might be emotional. It's going. Satan is going to attack your body. You need to be ready, steadfast in the faith. Steadfast in the faith. Your defense. What is your defense? It's very simple. Oh, his purpose. i got to tell you this. This is so important. So, this is the destroyer. His target is your body. His purpose is to make you impatient with God. God, how could you do this to me? God, uh, to get you to stop trusting Him. Impatience with Him. It's a very serious thing. So what's the answer? What is your defense? The indwelling Spirit of God. I'm sorry, your defense... (laughs) That's the next one. Your defense is the grace of God. Look at 2 Corinthians Chapter 12. Such an interesting passage. Look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Now, what's that, the abundance of the revelations? God used the Apostle Paul to write most most of the New Testament. So it says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what that is, this thorn in the flesh. Some people say he was short. (laughs) Some people say his eyesight was bad and he had other physical maladies. We don't know what this thorn in the flesh was. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now look at what it says. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Can I ask you a question? Are you humble? Are you humble? Our text that we just looked at in 1 Peter, that that was the context. The way that Satan gets you is through your pride. And here's how it works. How dare you talk to me that way? Who are you to tell me what to do? That's pride. That's pride. And that will open you up to all of this trouble. Now look at verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So here's the question for you, young people. Do you want the power of Christ on you? You can't have pride and the power of Christ at the same time. Why? How are you going to handle this? Through grace. Well, the Bible says, He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So you can't have pride and grace at the same time. You can't do it. So are you going to be humble? Are you willing to humble yourself before God and walk the way that He wants you to walk? Understanding the deceiver is out there. The destroyer is out there. What is your defense? Your defense is the grace of God. Immediate surrender and thankfulness to God is our only proper response to destroyer. Immediate surrender to God. Thankfulness to him. God, I don't know why this is happening, but I trust you. God, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. Man, you guys, and, and some of you have had some trouble in your life, but I don't think any of you have experienced real trouble yet. That's not to diminish what you've been through. God knows what you're able to bear. All of you have had struggles that no one else knows about, and I don't want to diminish those. How many of you remember when somebody made light of something you were going through when you were young? it was still trouble. It might not compare to cancer. It might not compare to the death of a brother or a sister or a child. Whatever. But it's still big to you. So I don't want to diminish that. But what happens if something greater than that comes into your life? Immediate thankfulness. Immediate surrender to God. And trust in Him is the answer. That's your defense. Then the third name for Jesus, for, <laughs> my goodness, the third name for Satan is, he is the ruler of this world, the prince of this world." John 14:30, hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me." Look at John 16:11. So Jesus Christ is sending the Holy Spirit. He's telling them that He has to go away in order to send the Holy Spirit. And He's saying what the Holy Spirit will do, verse 8, And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin, because they believe not on Me. I want you to see that. Here, here's here's the, the, the sin that sends people to hell. It's not believing in Jesus Christ. Is that right? All right? Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. The prince of this world, he is the monarch of this world. Another passage calls him the God of this world. Of course, we know Jesus Christ is the prince of life. Acts 3.15 says, "...and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses." So he's the prince of this world. Jesus Christ is the prince of life. What's better, this world that's going to pass away or life? Jesus Christ. He is the ruler. His target is your will. His target is your will. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever had a hard time following directions? These guys, they seem okay. These girls, they're just as ornery as can be. They all just look, you can just tell. It's hilarious. Well, that's the, that's the target of Satan, is, is, is your will. He wants to rule Your will. Look at Romans 6. Look at verse 13. Neither yield ye your members, so that's your body, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So here's the idea. When you are using your own will, all right, and you all have it, we all have volition, we make choices, and we choose to yield ourselves to one of two directions, to the will of God or the will of Satan. Now, I'm not saying that Satan even knows your name. That's not the issue. He's established a world system that is against you. And your, your will, when you think that your will is what you want, it's actually what Satan wants. And so you're either yielding yourself to him or you're yielding yourself to God. And so that's a choice that you're going to make. That's a choice. Uh, look at verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So you can yield your will to Satan, and that is to self-will, or you can yield yourself to the will of God. And so Satan, as the prince of this world, his target is your will. His weapon is pride. I've already mentioned pride, but pride is the sin that will destroy you. I know what's best. I know what I can do. I don't need God's will. I don't need God's word. I can make my decisions for myself. That is the attitude that will destroy you. You still need the counsel of mom and dad. I wish my dad still had his mind so I could get counsel from him. You never outgrow the need for godly counsel. You never do. The Bible says in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. And it says that over and over and over again. The idea that any of us have all the answers, that's pride. That's pride. That's the, that's the tool that Satan uses to target your will. His purpose is independence from God. I don't need God. I can make my own decisions. What's your defense? Your defense is the indwelling spirit of God, the Holy Spirit leading you. See, pride manifests itself in bitterness. How could this happen to me? That's where the bitterness comes from. Pride manifests itself in bitterness. Then, the last, name of, the last name of Satan. All right, Remember we have said that he is the deceiver and he's the destroyer. He's the ruler. His last name is the accuser. So look at Revelation chapter 12. Look at verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The accuser. His target is your heart or your conscience. Because here's the deal. Guilt is debilitating in God's work. How can I live for God? I know what's in my heart. I know what's in my mind. God cannot use me. Here's what we think. We think we have to be perfect for God to use us. I'm the only one like that. No. All God has to work with are sinners. That's it. That's it. And the the, the accuser, his target is your heart or your conscience. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Look at verse 20. Uh, Look at verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart And knoweth all things. So, right there, that idea follow your heart, isn't that dumb? Your heart will lie to you. God is greater than our heart. Look at what the next verse says Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. So, here's what happens. When you're not right with God, your heart condemns you. The accuser comes in and says, "Ah, You can't serve God. You're just a hypocrite. You're a liar. Who are you? You can't tell that person about Jesus. There'll be a time when the Holy Spirit will prompt you to give somebody the gospel. And you'll say, well, that guy saw me lose my temper on the ball field. That doesn't have anything to do with it. Everybody loses their temper on the ball field. Should you? No. Welcome to the human race. Don't let that stuff stop you from giving someone the gospel or making a godly choice. Satan will lie to you. He will attack your heart he's the accuser his weapon is accusation look at Zechariah second to the last book of the Old Testament someday before the rapture I'd like to finish preaching through Zechariah Zechariah and look at chapter 3 verse 1 and he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand what's it say? to resist him. So we're in Zechariah chapter 3. Now look at verse 2. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? And so it goes on, and what God does is He changes Joshua's clothes. But what we see here is Satan is the accuser. His weapon is accusation. You can't be good enough to serve God. That's not the issue. The issue is your heart. The issue is faith. The issue is the content of your faith, and it's what you believe. What is His purpose? Indictment by God to make you think that you're not good enough to serve Him. Let me tell you something. None of us are good enough to serve Him. That's not the issue. The issue is He's called us. He's chosen us. He's gifted us. He's given us His name. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's given us His power. You can serve Him. You can serve Him. How does this weapon work? Guilt. Guilt. Now, I want you to never forget this. Guilt has no place in the Christian's life. Guilt comes from the accuser. Conviction comes from God. If your guilt is telling you you can't serve God, that's not from God. If your conviction is driving you to the Scriptures and driving you to repentance, that's from God. Guilt does not come from From God. So don't walk in guilt. What is your defense? The interceding Son of God. Look at 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. Your defense against the accuser. 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 1. My little children. These things write I unto you that ye sin not. Okay, so that's my advice to you guys. Don't sin. Don't sin. You hear me? Don't sin. But when you do, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Man, if you've ever been in trouble with the law, or there's ever been a situation, you're very thankful that you have an advocate, a lawyer. You're very thankful for that. Well, when the accuser, the prosecutor, Mackenzie, comes against. She did this to me. <laughs> I'm not used to getting that while I preach. <laughs> the, when the accuser of the brethren comes before God, we have an advocate. And who is that advocate? Look at what it says. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And then what does it say? The righteous. You see, you don't stand before God in your righteousness. You stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So when the accuser takes you before God and says, "Kayla can't serve you," God, Jesus Christ is there, and He says, "Hey, she's one of mine. She's clean. She's one of mine." Praise God. That is so awesome. Look at verse. Uh, look at verse two. And He is the propitiation. That's the satisfactory payment for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And hereby, we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Do you know the people that really struggle with their salvation are people that live in sin? One of the best ways to make sure that you know that you're saved is just to live a righteous life. Now, that life has nothing to do with whether or not you're saved. It has to do with your heart. See, that's the issue. It's your heart. Satan does not want you to serve him. Let me finish with this. Satan's most effective strategy is not the opposition to the kingdom on mission fields around the world. Listen, but the indifference of churches and God's people who have become self-centered and have no passion for reaching a lost world. So let me ask you a question. When is the last time that you were concerned for the eternal soul of one of your friends? See, one of the things as you are finding your place in the world is the desire to be accepted. It's huge. It's huge. And we want to make sure that we present ourselves well, you know, especially when it comes time to get married, right? You know, brush your teeth, things like that. It's a bummer. Nathan, you go to ask somebody out and you you speak and she can see your breath and it's not cold out. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, brush your teeth. So that that being accepted of the world, that's okay. And seeking your place in the world, that's okay. But remember, you're in the world as a witness for Jesus Christ. You have a higher purpose than a career. You have a higher purpose than a spouse. You have a higher purpose than notoriety or monetary gain. And that is to represent Jesus Christ in the world. Keep that foremost in your mind. Satan's greatest attack is to get your mind off of that by being a deceiver, by being a destroyer, by being a ruler and, and, and taking control of your will, or by being your accuser. That's what he wants to do. The best way to keep it right, live for God. Make sure you keep evangelism foremost in your mind. It changes the way that you behave around other people. Guys, you'll behave properly with a girl if you care about her soul. Right? You'll behave properly around a guy if you care about his soul. Those things are so true. And lastly, if we accept the fact that our role in this life is that of a soldier, then we must drop our toys and become more acquainted with the weapons of our warfare. In a conflict situation, a soldier's best friend is his weapon because it is his one resource for disposing of the enemy, securing his own safety, and accomplishing the will of his captain. This is the weapon of your warfare. Keep it close to you. Keep it ready. Be ready to wield it for your safety and the safety of those around you. That's your challenge. Your challenge is to be aware of Satan. But here's the thing. The purpose of this message isn't to glorify Satan. Look with me and we'll be done at Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... Are we there? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... This is Isaiah writing... I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. That's two. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, "'Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory.' And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried and the house was filled with a smoke." So I want you to see this. Isaiah was transported to the throne of God and saw the Lord sitting on the throne and it had to be Jesus Christ because the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. It had to be Jesus on the throne. And He is so holy that these seraphim fly around and they have to cover their eyes, they have to cover their feet and they fly. And all they can say is holy, holy, holy. And the whole building is shaking with the holiness of God. And then look at what it says in verse 5. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King... The Lord of hosts, then one of the seraphims, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and said, "Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I send, and who will go for us that us that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit?" then said I. Here am I. Send me. You know what you need as you go out into the world? You just need a view of holiness. You just need to see God upon his throne. You need to understand the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You see, Jesus Christ has conquered death, he's conquered the grave, he's conquered Satan. The Bible says the prince of this world is judged, not will be, is judged. We've won. You can live in victory. You can go out and serve God. You don't have to follow the will of Satan. You don't have to follow the will of your flesh. You can follow the will of God. And just keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. And ask this question. Here am I. Make this statement to God. Here am I. Send me. Send me. Go out into this world. Whatever vocation you end up with. You guys, who knows what job you'll end up having. But whatever it is, say, here am I. Send me and be God's servant. And then you can just thumb your nose at the devil and go on and do what God wants you to do. Let's pray.